Amen. Amen. Is the Lord good? Has he been good to you? Give the Lord a hand. Give him some praise. He is good. He's been good to me. He's been good to me. All right, you can have a seat. I think we set some kind of clapping record this morning, don't you? I remember I went to a Kenny, I went, <laughs> I went to a Kenny Rogers concert. I'm, this is a different side of your pastor now. And uh, he, got, he got through, he was by in the middle of everything, and he sang this song, and the crowd started to clap. And then about a third of the way through, they kind of died out. You ever been in one of those? You know, I mean, you can't just keep going forever, right? He stopped. He stopped the song. He said, now listen, when you start clapping, when someone is singing, you make a contract. And the contract is that you're going to help them get to the end of the song. So he said, if you don't have enough power to make it to the end, don't start. Start, start in the middle and go to the end. So it ends big, okay? Just between you and me and Kenny Rogers. There you go. All right? But you were, you were awesome. You were good. God is good, right? God is good. He deserves our praise. I hope you are taking this journey with us through the Psalms and that God is using them to touch your life. Uh, on our website, dfmchurch.org, there's a daily list, five Psalms a day. If you do that, you will read all 150 Psalms this month. Remember, it was Billy Graham who said that his daily devotional habit was five Psalms and one proverb, and as well as other parts of the Scripture. So that's a suggestion and an opportunity for you. In today's program is this list. Would you take it out? Uh, this is one psalm among the five that's listed on each day's list. And so this is a hard copy. This is also online. And uh, the nice thing about the online version is that on several of these, when the Old Testament, when the Psalms are quoted in the New Testament, there's a hot link, a live link to the actual New Testament passage. So if you're kind of into the whole techie scene, you can do it all online, or you can do it the old-fashioned way, okay, right here. Um, this morning, I was blessed as I read the five Psalms for today. Now, one of them is Psalm 78. It's a little imposing. It's a long one. And uh, I loved reading it because it tells the whole story of the history of the children of Israel in one fell swoop. And you get this sense that, wow, look at all God has done. Look at who he is. How, how could we not worship him and praise him? And so there are Throughout the many 150 psalms, there are probably at least a dozen that are these Yelp, recommend psalms. God has been so good, He is so good, that I want you to experience what I am experiencing through the goodness and grace of God. And perhaps the most famous of these is Psalm 34. So if you have your Bible, I think it's, the Pew Bible, page 550, and um, we're going to have it on the screen, and we're going to look through it together. We're going to look at least four ways in which the Lord is good, and others should taste His goodness. 
I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Would you read the next phrase out loud? Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Again, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Let's keep reading. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Taste and see that the Lord is good because when you're afflicted, when you're troubled, brought down, when things aren't going your way, when you fix your eyes on God, when you see him high and lifted up, something begins to happen. Suddenly the thing that has been bothering you and obsessing you and wounding you now takes on a different perspective. I can see that God will be with me. He's still good. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. And of course, it's all in this context of extolling the Lord, giving glory to the Lord, exalting His name. One of the great blessings of coming here on any given Sunday is that I get to extol and bless and glorify the Lord. And I get to do it with you. And there are days in which that's a little bit more of a challenge than others. Do you know what I mean? Anybody ever have a blue day? I Probably just me. Right? A hard day, a difficult time. Things are on your mind. Things are bothering you, weighing you down. You know what some of the best medicine is? Get around God's people, get together and sing His praises. And sometimes it's interesting. It says, let the afflicted hear and rejoice. I've had people say to me, you know, I don't, I don't get why when we're singing together as a congregation, some people don't sing the whole time. And I'm like, well, I get it. There, there are times it's just a bit of a challenge. It's, you, you know, it's, it's kind of a faith exercise to get it out. And every once in a while, I just want to let the praise of other people wash over me and minister to me. And you probably know there's this huge revival of worship around the world. And in many of those worship concerts, Nancy and I last fall went to Grand Rapids. We're you know, in this stadium full of people praising God. And we're singing at the top of our lungs and praising along. But there comes a time, you know, this, the movement of the Spirit where you just soak it in. And it's like God is putting courage into your heart and strength into your life. And the praises of God's people do something in you and for you. And that's what he says. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. So on any given Sunday, you are welcome, if you need to, to just let the praises of God's people nourish your heart. And taste and see that the Lord is good. Recommend the joy of the Lord and the praise of the Lord to your family and friends, it'll do something. It has transforming power. Long time ago, someone said to me, you know, Jesus said that the Father is seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you feel far from God, just start to worship him and he will come and find you. Just 
give yourself the discipline and the sacrifice of praise. Next Sunday's whole service is all about the last psalm. What number would the last psalm be? 150. Psalm 150 is all about let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And from beginning to end, that's what the service will be all about because all of that theme throughout the Psalms of the value of worship and praise. So when I praise the Lord, He gives me joy and He nourishes me even when I'm afflicted. Let's go to the next reason that I want to taste and see. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Would you read the next verse out loud? Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Let's read it again. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces... I love that. You know, God's Word is so powerful and perfect and inspired and expressive. What happens when you feel shame? It covers your face. It, it, it hangs over you. Shame isn't just the guilt that I have sinned. The Scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've turned everyone to our own way. Is that true? That is the truth about us. And there comes a point in our journey when we become aware of our sin. Scripture calls it conviction. We're convicted of sin. And when that happens, there's a, a spiritual tipping point. When that becomes a, a burden that we can't escape, a, a, a forgiving grace that we can never fully embrace and we're left just feeling like, Not only have we sinned, but we're stained by that. We're ruined by that in some way. And that's shame. And the enemy of our souls, the Bible says, is the accuser of the brethren. So that he, he wants us to live in that shame and be covered by that shame and be paralyzed by that shame. And the Bible says that in the grace of God, those who look to him are radiant their faces are never covered with shame. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You, you know somebody who lives with shame. Things they've said or done they can't even you know, forgive themselves for. They, can, they can't seem to receive it and then release it and let it go and give it to God and trust that when Jesus died on the cross, He paid one perfect payment for the sins of the whole world including yours, including your worst moment. And this psalm tells us that we can be free from that shame and that guilt. Not only can there be joy in our lives when we worship the Lord, but there can be freedom in our hearts when our shame is taken away. Someone the other day was talking to me about the fact that Again, the enemy wants to keep us in bondage and keep us discouraged. They said, you know, the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. And the Lord knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. I love that. You know, I, I, I don't need to be 
called by my sin and defined by my sin. I need to be called by my name. And you know what my name is? The Bible says in Jesus, I get a new name. I am a favored child of the Most High God. Would you say that with me? I am a favored child of the Most High God. Say it again. I am a favored child of the Most High God. Is it helping? (laughs) I am a favored child of the Most High God. And my shame can be taken away. Praise the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's a reason that I would recommend Him to anyone. Well, let's keep going. I think this is going to get good. All right, this is the key passage right here in the middle. Let's go. We'll come back to this. We'll go on. We'll go on one more. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Read verse 14. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Now this this section is all about the way we talk, right? Our words. The scripture is very clear about the power of the the tongue and the danger of wrong words and the blessing of good words. And this is about relationships. Seek peace and pursue it. You know, how how do you get along with people? How do you help your family through difficult patches and misunderstandings, your your marriage, your your relationship with your kids or with your folks. You know, you watch your words, right? You ask the Lord to guide your words. You want to speak words of health and hope and healing and blessing. And you know, every once in a while when we're upset, has anyone ever said something you regretted? You know, and then you're like, oh, why why did I say that? And the thing about words is you can't unsay them. You can say other words. You can try and correct the things you've said, but you can't unsay it. The Bible's so, again, so brilliant, so insightful. So we watch our words. We ask the Lord to guard our words and guide our words. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Bible talks about let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth. You know, if we're going to be God-honoring people, you know, no lies, no, no profanity, no dirty jokes, no racial slurs, no inappropriate talk. That stuff only does damage. And when we speak the words of God, words of love, words of blessing, we bring hope and healing to others. So I don't know about you, but in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be together with family. Anyone? You're going to have a lot of them in the house, right? You're going to go somewhere. You're going to come somewhere. Does, Does anybody ever say anything that kind of hurts or you didn't mean to say or didn't need to be said? Wouldn't it be great if the Lord would give us only good words this Thanksgiving? It would guard our mouths, would help us What does it say? Seek peace. How about if we decide right now, by the grace of God, we are going to be the peace seekers, the peacemakers, the peace bringers in our family and among our friends, especially over the holiday season. 
God, may it be so. We need you. We need your help. And I just want to say, how, how many of your family and friends, people you know, could use the help of God with their words to bring peace in a troubled marriage or a troubled family? What a blessing it is that we have this hope in Jesus Christ. So we have the joy of the Lord. We have the freedom of the Lord. We have the peace of the Lord. What's next? The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. Let's read verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, I, <clears throat> I think that verse jumped off the page during the aftermath of 9-11. I mean, it was on the news. I remember uh, CNN having this big debate over how such a terrible thing could happen and whether there was really such a thing as evil. Right? National cry. Is there really such a thing as evil? We've been taught that they're, you know, they're, it's economic hardship or it's lack of education or it's, it's human institutions that bring about negative consequences. We've, we've been taught as a culture to disregard the things of the Spirit the reality of the spiritual realm where there really is evil and people do things that are wrong because they are tempted and because evil is allowed to grow in their hearts. So this big debate was going on and then, and then of course, once you get to that conversation, now you're looking at the possibility of real evil. Now, okay, what about the possibility of real good? I... At the time, uh, September of 2001, I pastored Crossroads Community Church, Temperance, Michigan, just on the Michigan side of the Toledo border. Um, Friday night came. The president had called the nation to pray. We opened our church to pray. It was standing room only. Um, over 600 people gathered on a Friday night to pray. And there in that place, God's Spirit just settled on the room. It was so palpable, so real, so tangible. And the, the, the issue that sort of hung in the air was, where's God? You know, all this tragedy happens, all this evil is unleashed. Where's God? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. We could sense his presence. We, you know, there was actually spiritual renewal going on in many people's lives because for the first time in a very long time, they were forced to think about ultimate issues and life and death, good and evil. But of course, brokenheartedness is more personal than that too. All of us who have lost someone we love. Well, coming up on Christmas, and some of you know the story how my, my dad died Christmas morning, 2009. My brother called uh, with that news, and I thought he was calling to wish me Merry Christmas. And uh, three days later, my mom died. And two days later, they had, we had their funerals together. And people say to me, you know, well, it, that, that was, that's hard. 
and it, and it was, and it is. But you know, Christmas doesn't have this kind of crushing sadness for me because my folks went home for Christmas. And they lived a wonderful, long, Christ-filled life. And now they are more alive than they've ever been. And I believe that. I believe that to the core of who I am. And that makes a difference. The Bible says that Christians grieve, but not without hope. So I don't know who your friends and family are. I don't know who could use a recommendation from you. (laughs) Who needs a little Yelp these days? But I bet there's somebody with a broken heart. Somebody that's in a tough place. Somebody that's experienced some sadness. And they need to know that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. So this text defines who we are. It's a huge part of who we are as a church family. We are a church who says to our community, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good because even when you are afflicted, you can praise Him, and in the praising of God, you can find joy and gladness. Has anybody here ever experienced that? When you praise God, even in a hard time, you experience joy and gladness. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, um, shame. Just think of all of the shame being sucked out of our lives. You know, being taken away by the grace of God. So that not only do we feel forgiven, but we feel free and fresh and new and clean. And how many have family or friends, people we care about, who carry a burden of guilt or, or some brokenness from the past that the Lord wants to heal as, as He heals us? Has anybody here ever sensed that healing grace of God that takes the shame away, helps you feel new inside, clean inside? How cool is that? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Peace in conflict. Peace even when it's hard to get along, even when you're different. (laughs) I think about mentioning my dad. Some of you know my story. He's my stepdad, my my biological father's brother. Became my... Are you... Am I losing you here? Uh, um, When I was eight, my biological father suddenly died of a heart attack and uh, two years later my mother remarried and she married my father's younger brother he became my stepdad he's the one who lived into his 90s and and passed away on christmas 09 i was 10 years old when my uncle sherman became my dad and i was a smart aleck can you imagine this And, you know, one of the things I tried to do my whole life is speak properly. My mother was very big on elocution, pronunciation, and all of that. And I'm sure the Lord has used it in ways in my life. But my dad, that was not who he was and not important to him. And the the thing he really needed most was his 10-year-old stepson correcting him all the time. (laughs) Dinner was a beautiful thing at our house, okay? 
And, uh, oh, my goodness. I said at his uh, memorial service that it was one of the greatest testaments to the grace of God that we ever learned to get along, that we found grace and forgiveness and love for one another. And it was, a, it was miraculous. It was a God thing. God brought peace into our family. The only reason you could ever explain us getting along and loving each other is Jesus. And I know people who need Jesus to get along, to speak kindly, to bring peace. So, taste and see the joy of the Lord, the freedom of the Lord, the peace of the Lord, the comfort of the Lord. David, he, he writes all this in this psalm. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good because he knows that some people just don't get it. Some people just assume that loving God, trusting God, trying to serve God is going to take you to some negative, difficult, broken place instead of a good place. They don't, they don't understand. Um, my grandchildren, have I mentioned I have grandchildren? My grandchildren love it when I read uh, a classic spiritual uh, work for them. I wanted to share some of it with you. Would you try green eggs and ham? Would you like them here or there? Would you like them in a house or with a mouse or in a box or with a fox or on a boat or with a goat? And you know the answer, right? I could not, would not on a boat. I will not, will not with a goat. I will not eat them in the rain. I will not eat them on a train. Not in the dark, not in a tree, not in a car. You let me be. I do not like them in a box. I do not like them with a fox. I will not eat them in a house. I will not like them with a mouse. I do not like them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. <laughs> do you know those people who have that deal with God? Right? I don't want him. I don't need him. I don't get him. I don't understand him. And King David says, no, no, no. Try him. Try him. And you'll see. Sam, if you will let me be, I will try them. You will see. Say, I like green eggs and ham. I do. I like them, Sam. I am. And I would eat them in a boat. And I will eat them with a goat. And I will eat them in the rain and in the dark and on a train and in a car and in a tree. They are so good. So good, you see. Everyone I know who has really tried, who has really tasted of God's goodness and God's grace, if they've opened up his life, their lives, if they have followed his word, if they have walked with him through the course of their lives and trusted his guidance and received his forgiveness, they know that God is good. Taste. Taste for yourself and see his goodness. And be willing to 
testify to his goodness to the people around you. Encourage, invite at every opportunity. It's one of the reasons that as a church family we say invite people. You know, there's something about the atmosphere of praising the Lord together, of listening to his word together and praying together when the spirit of God is alive. These last three or four Sundays, people have gotten saved every week. And God is on the move and God is at work. And here's what I want to say. Taste and see that the Lord is good and invite others to taste along with us and watch what God does. Watch what God does. We're going to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. And then we're going to go. Let's pray. Lord God, I think about all the people whom you have brought to your place of worship today. And we are blessed just to be here and be with you, be with each other. And you know, some of us didn't feel too much like singing in the early part of the service, but you sang through the people of God around us and over us. And we're encouraged. And we feel the joy of the Lord growing in our hearts. And we're so blessed. Lord, you know that on some level, every single one of us needs a fresh touch from you, grace, forgiveness. And we thank you that in Jesus Christ, there is always hope a new beginning, a, a, a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. And so we breathe in together today from you. And we rejoice in our salvation, our sins forgiven, our name written in the Lamb's book of life. And Lord, you know um, who's coming to dinner or where we're going to dinner, or who's going to be at the office or in the classroom or down the street tomorrow. And we need your Spirit to help us with our words, to guard our mouths, to keep us from speaking evil, and to bless others, to encourage others so we open ourselves. And Lord, you know if there's somebody today who's feeling a little wounded. When we're brokenhearted, you promise to comfort us and be close to us. So would you put your arms around us and hold us close. And then Lord, help us never to forget that your grace isn't just for us. But there's somebody in our world that needs the grace that you've given us to be shared with them. So may there be in our heart all week long this week an expectation that we get to share. That, that your love will spill over, splash over on somebody else. 
And Lord, we will thank you and praise you for what you do and how you do it. We never want to get over you. We never want to get used to you. You are so good. Your goodness endures forever. And we claim it and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Let's sing.